Tommy, produced by the E, the H and I C, repping New York City, live and direct, cause he always come correct, when he does an interview and makes the streets all connect, he stimulates the brain, through your mobile device, and what he smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice, it's all about the news when he drops and beats home, so pay close attention, shit's about to explode. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side in New York City, where we blow up the news on a vertical scale. My name is Ephraim Guzman, and my guest today, she's a longtime actress from Days of Our Lives. You know her best from as Kimberly Brady. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one and the only, Miss Patsy Peace. Patsy, how are you? Wow, I'm telling you, phonetically, you are awesome. You must do a hell of a lot of vocal exercising for this. Uh, I try, I try. You know, usually I do the same intro all the time, so that's easy to get by. <laughs> How's everything going? <laughs> oh, gosh, I remember being in uh, drama school, and they would have us study Edith Skinner's speak with distinction, and we had these little bone props that we actually had to stick between our teeth and go, and it was speak like that, because most of it was iambic pentameter, mm-hmm. and, and so, and all of us were coming in from all over the region, the United States, and so the first thing they said to me, coming in from North Carolina, I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, they said, uh, okay, you get rid of the accent or we get rid of you. They said the same thing to the people coming from the Bronx, from the Midwest. All of it had to be standard English. No regionalized accents whatsoever. So, yeah, so we had to... So when you were going to that intro, it was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh man, Edith Skinner would be so proud of this dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, how's everything going by with you? Everything is okay. Uh, so far, so good. good. But let's see, it's only five oh five. I can mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me fifteen seconds. I can, I can change that really quickly. <laughs> um. <laughs> I want to go back to the last time we were talking. You, um, you was telling me that you left Hollywood, and you know, um, tell me the whole situation with that again. What what happened? Well, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't manage being a mom and a star at the same time. I just, I don't multitask very well, ever. I somehow, I mean, and there's nothing wrong. A lot of women can do that. A lot of women can have it all, so to speak. But I never could manage that. I'm kind of a klutz. So, and I had uh, my second child was born with some serious birth defects. And so he had to have his first surgery when he was 11 hours old. And um, his diaphragm had to be repaired. And so he was about to, well, he was looking forward to after that to 12 more surgeries. So I had a life that was really nothing but surgeries and emergencies. And I had a job that would not allow emergencies because if you think about it when you're on a daytime soap you don't have a job that will allow you to leave during the day i don't have the kind of job that i can say hey martha can you cover for me while i go to the er and see if my child is breathing Mm -hmm. i don't 
I don't have that kind of job or the luxury of leaving during the day because I have a network breathing down my neck and saying, we will fire you if you leave the premises. So I said, okay, the reality is, and by the way, I'm not playing, I'm not villainizing them as the corporation and me as the victim. I don't like doing that. Here's just a situation that has the reality of this is my life, and that's the way I was looking at it. Mm-hmm. My life had changed. My priority was my son. My job didn't allow for that because they have, that show is their child, you know? Yeah. That's their baby, and their baby required just as much attention, and I couldn't give their baby my full undivided attention. So I chose to leave. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, was um, was it a hard decision, or it was a decision, you know, priorities no. first? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like anybody with common <laughs> yeah. decency. Yeah. I don't know why. I've gone on shows before, and I've had these actresses look at me, or sometimes not even actresses. Uh, I've had other people go, oh, my God, what a hard decision. I'm looking at them like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you serious? This is your child. What part of your soul has to debate where your loyalties lie, person? Maybe go do some soul searching and find out what is important to you. Because let me tell you something. The money, property, and prestige don't a person make. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it seems like it's, it's cliche at this point. In society to say, well, money won't buy you happiness. Okay, that seems cliche, but all cliches are built on some mustard seed of truth. Yeah. It, it doesn't. So when people say it was a hard decision, are you serious? <laughs> it was, in, in my mind, to be honest with you, Ephraim, yeah. there was no decision. Yeah. Wow, wow. There, it's... Was an, there, was, there wasn't any decision. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing, you know, because there's a lot of people who will be conflicted in that, you know, even though they're parents as well, but, you know, priorities, your children come first, and, you know, the career you had, um, it's, you know, it makes people jaded at times, you know, that type of atmosphere, and, you know, especially where you're at in Los Angeles, um, it was the decision you had to make, and you didn't even have a second thought about it, correct? I say there was no decision. That implies yeah, there was a yeah. conflicting thought. <laughs> yeah. A decision, a decision implies there are two conflicting thoughts. <laughs> I didn't have one. I had one thought. Your child. I also will tell you this. I have a pretty strong faith. I am not a church-going kind of gal, but I am a spiritual kind of gal, and I have a strong faith and a power greater than myself mm-hmm. that I know when I step out and make a choice that's right for me and my children, I will be taken care of, okay? Mm-hmm. I, there's no doubt in my mind. I didn't know how. I didn't know the specifics. I just knew if I do what's right for my family, I'm going to be taken care of. If I go in the direction of, well, let me see, I'll just push my children off somebody else and hope it turns out okay, I'm probably, number one, never going to feel right about that choice at work, and my work's going to suffer, and I'll get fired anyway. Yeah. So that's the way that record plays out. Mm-hmm. 
So um, if, if anybody is debating that choice, uh, think about it. It's like the old saying for an alcoholic, think the drink through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I heard that before. It, it ain't going to work out to be pretty anyway, <laughs> no matter how you cut it. So you might as well step out. And, and like Maya Angelou says, there are three words her grandmother told her a long time ago. And it's not really a big debate that we have to go about in our mind. We know what's right. And, she, and her grandma would tell her, honey, it, it ain't that complicated. Just do right. Exactly, exactly. And then um, you also um, have custody of your son's friend, correct? Yes. Uh, well, here I was <laughs> with, two, with two boys. I was a single mom. Yes. And uh, unemployed. Well, I, was, I was going from, I was taking jobs that would allow me to leave during the day if I had to. So I stepped down from being a daytime television star to selling dresses on Ventura Boulevard and fragrances at um, the mall. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think I was telling you before the funny story, I got I got people coming up to me going, oh my God, Patsy Pease, what happened to you? <laughs> with, 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 with this awful look of <laughs> disgust in the face. And, and you know, <laughs> and so I had to go through that piece of humble pie. We talk about ego piercing. Oh, honey, I ain't got no ego left. That was taken care of at the mall, selling Estee Lauder. <laughs> I would spritz at people, and I, hell, well, I wanted to hit them over the ball with puke bottle of myself. <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth Taylor, I would find there was any kind of bottle of white diamonds again as long as I live. <laughs> oh, hell, I was about to drink that stuff for us all over. I did not drink it a woman, but I was about to drink that stuff just to get through the day. But... <laughs> When that woman asked me what happened to me, I just felt wanted to spray her right in the face with a bottle of white diamonds and go, what happened to me? I'm taking care of my children. What happened to you? (laughs) (laughs) Damn biatch. Damn biatch. Damn biatch. What happened to you, damn biatch? So I did get the humbling experience of finding out what it's like to go out and, and have people react to like you loser you failure it's kind of like you go you go do the right thing and here's the thing here's the, you do the right thing sometimes and the world will not pat you on the back for it <laughs> i was doing the right thing for my child and the world went loser you gave it a failure <laughs> but, but i'm trying to take care of my child what a rip-off you are. We had all of our hopes and dreams invested in you, and you threw it all away. You <laughs> let us down. <laughs> so that's what I got. It's like, you know, there's no punishment for any good deed that goes undone. So, so I, did, I did get slapped in the face a little bit, a little bit slapped around a little bit yeah. for that. But then one day... When my kids finally, finally, we got by. We lived for a while. After we lived for five years in a one-bedroom walk-up. Oh my God, it was an awful place in town. But we got by. I gave the boys the bedroom, and I slept on a couch for five years. Wow. And uh, oh yeah. And this is this is after Major said, and they I'm tell. That's why I tell people because I don't get too caught up in your title. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? That's not 
not who you are. I'm God's baby girl. That's who I are. I'm not Kimberly Brady, star of daytime television. What does that say? It's like if I go around identifying as Kimberly Brady, star of daytime television, what happens when I'm not Kimberly Brady? Mm-hmm. And I, and that's where people get messed up, and that's when a lot of these people start using drugs and turning to gambling and all sorts of stuff and get into a lot of trouble because they put all their eggs in one basket of being a label of being on my job. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're your job, what happens when you ain't your job? Mm-hmm. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what happens when you, when you ain't your job for a lot of people is you're in trouble. <laughs> ain't that the truth? So, <laughs> so, so I got to learn his, I'm God's baby girl, mm-hmm. or the universe baby girl, whatever you want to call it, but there's something bigger than me that I'm a part of that's going to take good care of me and my children. If i got to sleep on a goddamn couch for five years, that's what I'll do. Because, because <laughs> we didn't we didn't go for wanting anything, mm. and in those five years we got chairs together, we put blanks up, and we played tent, and we watched movies underneath the stars in the tent. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want we want wanting for nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? We had each other. What else is there? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. There's no plastic piece of metal award. That's going to give you what that feels like to have your children feel secure and know you're there. Mm-hmm. At least to me, that's part of what I felt good about. So one day, got him through to high school, and my youngest one, he's, he's just had a steel rod nailed to his entire spine. This is surgery number 12. Mm-hmm. Number 12. Mm-hmm. Steel rod nailed to his entire spine. And he's coming home, still healing, and one of his friends is helping him home. This is, this is his best friend, mm-hmm. best friend in the whole world, is helping him home. Well, this kid, very, very quiet, and he's been there a couple of days, and while he's there, we find out his mother died. Wow. His mother had had cancer for a long time. I did not know that. Um... And I was devastated as he was, but he didn't show it. He, he didn't show any emotion at all. He uh, had no relatives anywhere around. I tried finding them. I asked where his father was. He had not ever met his father. Never met him. Mm. Aunts, uncles, didn't know where they were. He moved all over. My sister, uh, couldn't take care of him, and I understand that. She was doing what she needed to do to get by. She had no support either. Mm-hmm. She couldn't take care of him. So my son looked at me and said, Mom, he needs a mom. <laughs> I said, honey, I, 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 had, I, I did my job. I don't know if I can do it again. I think I'm all, I'm all mommed out. I don't know. <laughs> and, and effort, I was not Florence. Nightingale, I was not Grayson, I, I was not, I, I, I was not good and noble 
and dignified, I was a wretch. I was wicked and awful and angry and scared. And I took this boy to social services and I did everything I could to get rid of him. Because I didn't have any money and I didn't have any job and I already got these two kids and I was struggling as it was and I was scared. What was I going to do with a third child? And every time I tried to get rid of that child, that child must have boomerang in his system. (laughs) Every time I tried to get rid of that child, by the time I got home, there that child was sitting his ass down on my front porch. Wow. He was waiting for us. Yeah, he was. Sitting down there waiting for us. I don't know how he got back so fast, but he made his way back. So I couldn't, I couldn't throw him away, but he just found his way back. So, <laughs> like I said, I, I am not, I, I am not any goody goody two shoes in this whole story. Mm-hmm. I do not shine out like any hero. I'm nobody's hero. Mm-hmm. Nobody's whatsoever. Um, if anything, <laughs> he saved my life because what happened was I gave in. I was just worn down. I I got tired Mm -hmm. and gave up. And this boy did for me what I couldn't do for my youngest son, Russell. He became his friend and took him around town. And they went through the teenage years together and to clubs and partied. All those things I was afraid for what I saw as my delicate, fragile, special needs child. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to miss out on all those teenage years. Well, his friend gave him those years. He wouldn't have had those years, Efren, if his best friend hadn't come to live with us. Wow. See, sometimes... There's a blessing that's coming your way. And it doesn't look like it at first. It looks like a curse, and you can't see it. And you curse it, and you try to get rid of it. But sometimes if we hold still long enough and stop fighting, just stop fighting. And surrender, and just take a moment and, and ask, wait a minute, wait a minute. Could this be something that I need? Is there something, is there something in this, a place where I need to grow, and could this serve my family? Could it not be all about me? If I stop making it about me, it could be something bigger and better for my family, and that's what it turned out to be. Wow. So this boy was a blessing for your son Russell and a blessing for you in disguise, right, basically? It was, yes, once I stopped fighting and making it all about me. Wow. Um, I'm sure you're, um, are you struggling now or everything it's, 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 is there? Everything is okay? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's funny the way things, things work out. Um, we did move back east because, uh, LA is a hard town, um, uh, jobs are hard, living, the expense of uh, living there is, is really, really high. And so we moved back east, and everybody's got jobs. Everybody's got jobs. Mm-hmm. And and so it's a nice quality of life. Yeah. It's a wonderful quality of life. 
And we've never been happier. We're really, really happy here. And all of our relationships have gotten really close, if, if that was possible. But, you know, we, we talk a lot, and we've learned how to talk to each other because people... People sometimes, you know, they ask me, they say, we want to know from actors, like, what are you up to? Like, what projects are you into? I said, well, I'm going to bore the hell out of you if you want to know what projects I'm into. I said, I'll tell you, if it counts as a project, if family and relationships count as a project, I spend a lot of time getting to know as closely as I can and repairing and amending any places I need to with the family, I, with the people I love in my life. Mm-hmm. If there are amends that need to be made, I try to make them. And if there are problems that need to be solved, I try to spend time one-on-one doing stuff. Because I don't want to go out of this world with things left unsaid and things left undone. Mm-hmm. Because I want to, I, I want to live a regret-proof life. And if I have the energy and the and the opportunity to do that now, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's my project. Yeah, people, people are my project. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you give. I don't think they give out awards for that. <laughs> nah, they don't. Especially a project that's forever. You know. <laughs> it is. It's an ongoing. It's an ongoing project. Now, I've been blessed enough to get to fly back to L.A. once in a while and work. I don't know how that came about. Um, I'm nominated for (laughs) a couple of awards. I don't know how that came about. Well, I know, you know, I kind of do know how that came about. It's funny how when I said about doing what I call God's work, you can add an O, call it good, Mm -hmm. call it a day. When I said about doing good work, um, everything else gets taken care of, too. Um, I still got to work in the industry that I love, and I'm also nominated for an Independent Series Award this year. Congratulations on that. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I know you've been in Days Days of Our Lives for a long time. How would you compare yourself to Kimberly Brady, to to Patsy Peace? Oh, God. I could never live up to the image of Kimberly Brady. I mean, man, <laughs> she's, got, man she's running this child abuse center, and you know, she's a counselor, and got her shit together, and people come to her to solve problems and stuff, and I don't know. She, she intimidates me. <laughs> I don't know. Like, she's one of those people I don't think I feel comfortable going out to lunch to because you couldn't, number one, you couldn't fucking cuss around her. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the one thing, some some people who've gotten to know me, um, some of the fans, and I have made, I've made friends with a couple of fans, but in, in just just by, well, they, they were people that I knew through, different circles of friends who they just happened to have watched the show for a long time. One of the things that they were a little taken aback by, it took them a little while to get used to, is they said, ah, God, she curses like a sailor. Oh, my God. Kimberly has a mouth on her. (laughs) 
I said, number one, I am not a fictitious character. I'm real. My name is Kathy B. I'll remind you, I'm not that fucking bitch, Kimberly Gray. I am <laughs> Kathy B. So, and I know she does good, but I do. <laughs> if you want to be with her, you go sit down and try and find her on YouTube. If that's who you want to be with, you're welcome to her. But if you're going to be with me, you're going to hear some shit. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know what they say, um, you keep it 100, so I guess you definitely do keep it 100. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> what is your biggest inspiration for becoming an actor? Did you have any, like, did you want to be an actor when you was younger, or this is something that fell on you by accident? I can remember, we lived in this old house and it had one of these arched doorways. Mm -hmm. And I heard that the video for the first time, and I'm old, so this is how far back I go, because I'm in my 60th year of life, so when the Beatles, I can remember hearing the Beatles for the first time. And I remember being so, and something inside me had to move to their music. Oh my God, I had to dance. Dance was my first. <laughs> love. Yeah. I could not sit still with with their music on and I would pretend like this arched entryway was a theater. And I don't know how I knew at that time I was little. I don't know how I knew that was a theater. Maybe I saw a school auditorium or something. There was an arched theater. Um, uh, but I, I would pretend that I was dancing in front of an audience. So theater was my first love. And um, and I remember when I got old enough to drive, I drove up, to, I read that there were these auditions in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, for this school. And I wanted to learn how to dance and how to act and, 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 and appear uh, in these theaters with those arched, Entryways, because that's that's what I saw when I was little. Mm -hmm. But dance was my first love, so I drove up there and I auditioned for these people, and I was accepted for a four-year bachelor's, a fine arts program, and I got in on scholarship because I didn't have any money, and uh, and I worked uh, waiting tables and babysitting and all kind of stuff, and uh, and made it through. I worked my way through that that college. And um, and then, I don't know what got into me, because I, I didn't know any better. You know, God looks after drunkards, children, and fools, and I've been guilty of all three. <laughs> I bought a ticket to New York City after I graduated with my little piece of paper and said I was a bachelor's of fine art, because I figured, I know me some acting now, and I got rid of my because they put me in Edith Skinner's Speak with Distinction. Yeah. So I got on a bus effort and I rode that bus hours and hours and hours to New York City. Mm -hmm. I knew one person and I got off the bus and I went to this, this woman who had, she spoke at our school one time and she just kind of nonchalantly says, well, okay, if you're bringing New York, look me up. And you know, People don't mean that when they say it, but I didn't know that at the time. I was only like 20-something years old. Yeah. But I thought she meant it, and his name was Joy Dreeling. 
And so I showed up at her apartment, and she, you can imagine the look of surprise on old Joyce's face. (laughs) And I said, well, you said if I was ever in New York to look you up, and here I am. Wow. (laughs) So she put me in, there was this movie Catherine Hepburn called um, The Stage Door, Mm -hmm. and there actually is a 56th Street, um, an old building, they call it the rehearsal club. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if it's still there, but that's where she got me in. And God bless her. If it weren't for her, she got. She actually found me a place to stay. It was a way up a home for wayward actresses who who we all had. It was like twelve girls to one bathroom. Oh my God! And uh, yeah, it was where. All these girls would come in from all over the place. Um, I mean, it was like, you know, young girls would come in. They didn't have any place to stay. Um, they put us in this place called the Rehearsal Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing fancy. The kitchen was down in the basement. And um, and that's that's where I got my start. Was And then I went to wait tables, and I got a job checking hats and coats at the Copacabana. Oh, nice. And when I got that job at the Copacabana, and I'd seen it on I Love Lucy, <laughs> I thought I had made it. I forgot all about acting. Wow. I thought I'm at the Copacabana, and Ricky played here, Ricky Ricardo, and if this is where Ricky Ricardo was, that means I've made it. I felt that was it. I didn't need to go any further. So, I had one of my friends from school club and went, Pass, working at the Copacabana is not what we were trained for. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't made it, honey. You're waiting tables and checking hats and coats of people who've made it. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> she had to actually remind me why... This was this was a six months in. I, I was I did that for six months and I was perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. She had to remind me why I spent four years in a conservatory. Oh, and then went with a repertory company mm-hmm. doing Shakespeare, Moliere, Ibsen, Strindberg, and Chekhov. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't like I spent all that time being trained to check hats and coats at the Copacabana. So she reminded me, Pat, you're supposed to get an agent now, honey. It's time to go to work. <laughs> uh, well, um, um, working at the Copa, did you see any celebrities coming in by, or? No. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I didn't see anybody. <laughs> I didn't care. They all look fancy to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just, you know, New York, people have a, I think they do, you can tell New Yorkers dressed better than anybody in the world when, when it comes to, like, events. I remember when I went to the Emmys one year, you could tell the people from L.A. and the difference in the people from New York. Yeah. Well, you could? Um, tell me, um, um, what was the difference? People from L.A. just didn't look like they had it all together. Yeah. And what about something wasn't what about the New Yorkers? Did the, um, the, the New Yorkers look kind of lost? Or no, New Yorkers had a very well put together look. Yeah, it's it's everything's cloth, everything's tight, everything's tied together 
it's a complete package. The people from L.A. just like the hair is like a little off. Uh, everything's kind of loose. <laughs> you, you can just tell the difference. The New Yorkers had a better sense of style. Oh, okay. Well, and um, how was the Emmys, like, going there and, you know, seeing everybody and, you know, dressed up and those swag bags? How was all that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't care. You didn't care? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see what all the fuss was about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't. Yeah. But, you know, here's the thing. I mean, I know... I know it's supposed to be, you know, it's a really big honor and everything, and I know that it is, but here's my only question. Mm -hmm. If it's such an honor, when I ask 10 people without looking on the internet, who won year before last or last year? Why can't anybody tell me? Nope. That's a fair enough question, isn't it? If if it's such a big deal, why can't anybody tell me who won? No, you have a point there because you know it's like you know, it's, it's always like the flavor of the month, and it's on to the next, and no one's gonna remember two years ago or five or ten years ago who won. I think I think that's like well, for anything. If, if everybody makes such a humongous fucking big, this is my life depends on it. I'm gonna die deal. Yeah. Okay, I get I get that, but follow it up, babe. Keep track of who you hold precious in your life. If they're so valuable, if you've invested so much energy and emotion into them, remember their names. Mm-hmm. They have names. That's yeah, so true. That's so true. So there's something that doesn't quite match. There's something of a lie here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just calling it. I'm just calling it. Because mm-hmm. I ain't putting up with no bullshit, Efren. Mm-hmm. You know, mama don't, mama don't, ma, uh-uh. Oh, I've been through too much to put up with no bullshit. I smell, I smell something that smells like bullshit on this one. <laughs> I uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. It's true because you know you notice with the daytime Emmy Awards, it's not even telecast no more on regular television. It's either shown online or I believe it was showed on a I forgot what channel it was before, but it's not it's not the same like it used to be. Or is it just me? I don't know. I don't get televisions, number one. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm the wrong person. <laughs> wow. It's just I'm not very impressed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. And I ain't got time for those people. Yeah. I ain't got time <laughs> for that damn TV talk. It's so this, it's so that. Yeah. People give them more energy and more time to their TV and their devices than their own children. Yeah, man. No, that's that's so true. That is so true. Let me ask you a question. Since you left LA, do you have any friends out there? Is there anybody you worked oh, with in the cast? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, God, no, not in the cast. But, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm no, no, no. What I have, um, I love Jim Reynolds. Yeah. And of course, Jim Lily, my little Jimmy Wren, my little Jimmy Wren. Peggy McKay, of course. Uh, God, I miss Peggy. Yeah. I do miss my Peggy. Um, yeah, a lot of the cast. A lot of the cast. Oh. And I also got sober out in L.A. Um, it was September the 11th, 1985. Mm-hmm. So it was 30, 30 years this September. So most of my sobriety in growing up was in L.A. And of course, <laughs> I have to say most of my friendships are in L.A. because those are most of the ones that I remember. Because yeah. I was conscious for those. <laughs> I was not very conscious for the other ones in New York and North Carolina. <laughs> I was tipping it back, so to speak. So I don't remember a lot of those, but I do remember the ones in L.A. Wow. And um, I have a huge number of friends in 12-step programs in L.A. And yeah. that's the one thing I can't replace Easily uh, out anywhere else. I mean, he's been, and that was 28 years at the time when I left. It was 28 years of friendship. Wow. So that's the thing that I miss. And when I go back, I do miss, I, I really miss those people. Yeah. Wow. Um, um, who was your favorite Roman Brady? Oh my gosh. Well, that's a loaded question because I'm friends with all the Romans. <laughs> <laughs> How about if I re- how about if I re- how about if I rephrase the question? Um, which um Roman Brady you enjoyed working with the most? Oh, 
Well, they all, they all, are, they all enjoyable. That's what I mean. They're all enjoyable <laughs> yeah. to work with. They really, I mean, they're, they're easy going. A lot of the quality of the, the, the men yeah. is the same quality in their work ethic also. Mm, okay. It, 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 it the 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 man the same thing that complements the work is the same quality in the guy they complement each other so mm. they, it's like it's almost an inseparable thing yeah so like when you work so with so when you I was say, so when you work with Wayne is like working with Josh they're both like the same the same kind of flow yeah very very easy going all right extremely funny oh my god stories. Humor, just a wry sense of humor. There's, there's very, very similar. Mm. You have any any juicy stories? Any funny X-rated or NC seventeen stories that happen on set or anything? Nothing like that ever happened to me. I was always scrambling to get my job done. <laughs> I know a lot of. <laughs> it was such a hard job for me. Well, here's the thing. I was trained for theater. I wasn't trained to do any of the daytime stuff. I had to learn on the job how to do that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I was theater where you get a lot of rehearsal time. Yeah. And you get you get to learn your lines with the other actor over a long period. You get to develop the character. And you have time to do that. Television, there's no time. <laughs> and I wasn't... My training had no television whatsoever. Mm. So I, I it was, that was very hard for me, um, sound studio mm. uh, work. And, and, and it's, it's ironic that the four years that I spent theater training, it, thank God that I had it because that was a backbone. Yeah. That's what, and a lot of actors say, well, did you feel like you wasted your time in um, the bachelor's program? I say no, because a lot of people can get a job, but very few people can keep a job. Mm -hmm. And I think you need a good, solid training to keep a job because you're going to be challenged over and over and over with new problems um, on a set when it's moving that fast. And it moved even faster than when I first started. Yeah. Um, how did you learn all those dialogues? You say coming from a theater background, did the theater background help you remember all the dialogue that you had to say? Um, well, if you're, it's kind of like a machine. I mean, you, you know, it's like muscle memory. Yeah. If you're doing it, 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 if you're doing it every day, anything you do every day becomes easier just by the fact that you're practicing. Mm -hmm. Every day. But you have to keep practicing. I mean, the, the old adage, if you, uh, you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. Because I noticed that when I go back after not having worked and not having practiced that muscle, that memory muscle, mm -hmm. uh, it's harder. It's harder for me to memorize my lines. Mm -hmm. And people, um, and even Peggy, hey, my gosh, I mean, look at her. She's in her 80s and she's just rambling out dialogue, <laughs> you know, page after yeah. page, and she's brilliant and she gets it, you know, spot on. But she's there a lot more and she's practiced a lot more, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Wow, that's true. And, um, um, 
Um, do you like do you like coming back to make guest spots? Do you like doing that? Yeah, I I do. The traveling, I mean, it's, it's a seven hour trip, you know, across wow. country. Though that that I've had four spine surgeries, so it gets it, it gets to be a little bit much. It's it's not as easy as it used to be. I mean, it's a five hour plane trip. You have to change planes, so it's two hour layover sometimes. So it's about seven hours altogether. It's rough. Yeah. Rough. With four spine surgeries and two fusions. Yeah. Um, um, do you still suffer, like, you know, you had the surgery, do you still suffer, like, effects from it? I guess now now to this day, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, um, I have degenerative spine disease, so it's, it's not like it's going to get me better, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, some days it's harder to walk than others, and some days, I can't turn my neck. I'm fused in my neck and I'm fused in my lower spine. Wow. So it's at, at both ends. So some days when I drive, I can only go certain di- distances because I can't turn to. I can't turn my neck to the left. Wow. Yeah. So, and I noticed, you know, in in, in television, if the camera's right on you. You can you can see when somebody can't turn their neck because they're right up, you know, they're right up close in your face. Yeah. You can see when their neck is in spasm. So it it does it does show up. Uh, some days are better than others, but everybody's got a little something. Everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just you do the best you can. Uh, you try to do yoga and take care of it. Um, I bitch about it as little as I can. Some days better than others. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> or I have a girlfriend. She has an egg timer. <laughs> and I say, lady, uh, this session. And she'll go, okay, let me get the egg timer. She'll flip it over and she gives me a full minute. Yeah. And I ran. And once that time is up, she'll go, time. And once that time is up, I have to finish ranting, and then we get into the solution. So that the majority of our phone conversation is spent in seeking a solution and not just moaning and groaning and really irritating the problem even more. So that's what good girlfriends are for. (laughs) Your girl's always going to be there for you, so that's good. Well, not only that, but they're really there because she doesn't enable me by allowing me to complain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't help our friends because we just allow them to go on and on and never get better. Mm-hmm. But what she says, you can, you know, we do this for each other, and then it'll be her time. She'll call me, and she'll go, um, BS, and I'll go, bitch session? She'll go, uh-huh. I'll say, wait a minute, let me get the egg timer. <laughs> so, you know, okay, honey, you have one minute, make it a good one. <laughs> and then she'll, she'll go, and I go, okay, okay time. She goes, oh, that feels better. And I go, okay, honey, now we're going to get into the solution. Mm. Not one more gripe. Not <laughs> one more gripe. It's all solutions in this, in this conversation. <laughs> um, a couple of more questions for you. Um, What are your fans like? You talked a little bit about that. What are, you, what are they like? Some of them are just crazy. <laughs> and then... <laughs> okay. Most of them... <laughs> Most of them are some of the 
best people in the world. I'll tell you, I've had some really, oh God, loyal, unbelievably loyal. Mm-hmm. They've been with me, they've been with me, some of them with me 40 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's loyal. That's loyal. That's very loyal. They've sent Christmas presents to my children each year of their their lives. I mean, just unbelievably sweet people. Um, when I say crazy, I mean crazy is fun. Yeah. Just, they, they send funny cards, and um, they make me laugh. That kind of all right. Um, what is your favorite like food, music, any? What's your favorite thing to eat? Mediterranean. Mediterranean food. Yeah. And what kind of music you like to hear? I love. I love um, uh, salsa. Yeah. Samba. Yeah. Um, Latin America. Yeah. A lot of Latin America. Mm, all right. And Patsy, my final question to you is what would the Patsy piece of today tell the Patsy piece of yesterday? I would tell her to relax her shoulders and go easy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her to really take a chill pill. The ride's going to be a lot easier than she thinks. Uh, <laughs> you are so awesome, Patsy. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Any social media of the fans wanted to get a hold of you or just say hello to you? You have like a Twitter and Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, and all that. I have a WordPress blog. Okay. Now, I don't know whether you've seen that. Where I just I go. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a activist for mental health on bipolar. Okay. Since I have it, I've been very public about it, and uh, I'm also working with National Association of Mental Illness, NAMI, mm-hmm. and um, I was published recently on their site. So I'm on WordPress. If they go onto my Facebook and Twitter account, they can go through there and they'll find uh, the blog. Not a problem. I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.